Wendy, great to have you here. Andy, good to see Thank your you. smiling face again. Um, uh, quick good to see you, mate. Yes, indeed, indeed. Quick, uh, quick intros as we kick off. Um, uh, welcome to another Friday for uh, Wealth, Wine and Wisdom folks, uh, those who are dialing in. Um, we're trying some cool bits of technology, so it all went to plan this time, so we're not going to try and do anything too fancy from here on. We're just going to have a chat with our wonderful, lovely guest, Wendy, and uh, and uh, she has uh, sponsored the, the show for the last few weeks with uh, with some lovely wines, and Andy and I have temp- attempted to uh, talk about them, probably not as good as uh, Wendy can, so we will have a bit of a chat to Wendy <laughs> in a while. Um, and... Um, and uh, welcome to the show, mate. And uh, it's going to be good to have you on as a guest today. Have a bit of a chat about wine, investing, business, the Hunter Valley. It's hot, all sorts of things. So, it's hot. Uh, <laughs> it's real hot. Yes. So, welcome, welcome. So, uh, what else, Andy? Did I miss anything for kicking off the day? Well, other than, uh, you know, this is uh, World Wine and Wisdom. This is our regular Friday catch up where Jason. Wow. Um, expert property investor, 20 plus years. You wouldn't believe it by how few grey hairs he has on that head. <laughs> but um, what uh, what people don't know or what there is to know about property, uh, Jason knows it. And if he doesn't know it, then it probably isn't worth knowing. And uh, myself, uh, Andy Fenton, uh, advisory services, uh, invest, ex-investment banker, reformed investment banker, come uh, uh, advisor to small to medium business owners in the worlds of uh, banking, stocks, uh, tax and all of that sort of beautiful structure stuff. And this is where Jason and I debrief on the week that's been. Uh, we've been doing this now ever since COVID started. And uh, and thank you all for, for joining us. We try and share things that we're seeing in a rapidly changing world and provide some insight and have a bit of fun along the way. So, mate, uh, I think that that's, that's all we missed for today's intro. So well, we usually kick off by doing a bit of around the ground as far as what's been happening out in the world, mate. So what have you been seeing in the world of property and, uh, and the craziness that is rapidly declining interest rates and, uh, and what seems to be an economy that, uh, that has all of a sudden skipped back into gear a little bit? What's happening in your world, mate? Well, the world of um, the world of my world is, uh, you know, the, the announcements in the last week or so about stamp duty. Everyone's getting quite excited about the. Um, uh, it's not the abolition of stamp duty; it's the changing of stamp duty, and uh, I think that one's going to be good for, um, you know, the cost of acquiring a property. For most people, by the time you've uh, you've purchased a property. You're, you've paid about 100%, 105% of its cost when you add on stamp duty and other things uh, on top, lenders, mortgage insurance, other fees and duties, those sorts of things. So I'm glad to see that thing go as an upfront cost. Um, I, like I said last week, Andy, I think uh, um, I'd still like to see it be eliminated completely because uh, GST was meant to replace stamp duty many years ago and the government reneged on that one. So still a bit cranky about that. No, but. <laughs> Nothing we can do about that one, can we, Wendy? Um, Not nothing at all. We can stomp around and have a little go, but you know, some big announcements this week, which are things that uh, that we were again always saying, Andy, especially in and around Melbourne, 
that uh, Melbourne would receive, uh, you know, significant amounts of uh, incentives on top of the national government incentives and boosts and and um, budget for spending and stimulus. Um, uh, the local Victorian government has come out with some pretty significant projects, um, you know, tens of billions of dollars of new projects or projects that were slated for 10 years and they've brought them forward, which is great. So I think it might have been 20. But yeah. A lot of data. Oh, well, when, when they were first tabled, it was almost 20 years ago. 20 so. years ago. That's right. Yeah, the, the tunnel, <laughs> the, the high-speed rail um, and, um, you know, all of those train line um, projects around Melbourne um, are being sped up at this point in time too. So, you know, those things are coming on board. I think Melbourne's going to come back with a vengeance. It's probably going to take 12 or 18 months to get its mojo back on, but the money's going to be invested mm-hmm. in that economy. And uh, for me, I think that's going to be, um, um, yeah, pretty good to be a property investor at the right time down there. Also, they announced um, conversations and talks about getting the students back into Australia. Um, there's a $10 billion plus hole in the university's um, income mm-hmm. streams in Australia. And uh, again, like both of us said, Andy, the Australian government cannot afford to not have those students back in the economy and also not uh, cannot afford not to have immigration uh, back on. So um, there's talk about that happening um, early to mid next year, uh, maybe even sooner um, through processes and other things. So, you know, that's really the, the three or four big things this week in the world of property, which will really affect um, the values. Um, and uh, well, this is this is the this is the joy of live streaming. Eh? I've got an assistant today. <laughs> Dad, yes. Really need your help. I'm busy right now. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, but uh, but it's good timing right, anyway, Andy. Sorry. So that's uh, that's it for me for this week around the grounds, Andy. Um, what about you? I know there's been a few things on your radar. Mate, it's been good. I, I think that I, I last week. Uh, sort of tongue-in-cheek, had a poke that there wasn't too much to bitch and moan about because uh, markets have been pretty yeah. good <clears throat> and it was a little bit tongue-in-cheek. But, you know, look, on the on the student side of the equation, I'm I'm pretty sure that uh, places like the Mad Monkey uh, Beer Garden in Airlie Beach will love the uh, the student backpackers coming back into Australia, so they'll be pretty happy with what you've got to say there. Uh, but, uh, mate, markets have been pretty good, so let, let's I'll show you a couple of things that have been quite interesting. And these are really just... Interesting. Um, and uh, you sort of know my thoughts around Bitcoin, right? So Bitcoin, uh, 20% down just recently, fell off the edge of a cliff. Uh, our mate here, Antony, was, was, and quite rightly so, was, uh, was basically uh, on Bloomberg this morning basically saying, listen, when it goes up by 150%, it's a bubble stock. As soon as it goes down by 20%, then it's, uh, it's junk bonds. And, uh, and that's pretty much how people look at Bitcoin these days. But the reason why I found mm-hmm. that quite interesting is it's on the reverse uh, of, whoops, that's the wrong button, Eddie. It's on the reverse of this. So I'm just going to break down the S&P and uh, so the American stock market and the Australian stock market, give you guys a, a bit of insight uh, because last time I spoke a little bit about if we took the tech out of uh, the S&P 500, what would it look like? So S&P 500, for those just tuning in. Uh, and, and by the way, guys, if you've got questions, just whack them in the comments. 
uh, as we go through because we're testing. We need to see whether these comments are coming through from all channels. So give us a give us a yell. Say, yep, hey, in here from Queensland and watching on YouTube or maybe you're on LinkedIn, wherever you are, it'd be great to know. It'll be good insight for, for Jason and I so that we uh, know how to better serve you guys. And really, really happy to answer questions as we go along. Absolutely. So, uh, the S&P 500, so that's, a, that's basically the, the American stock market, the, the top 500 stocks in the American stock market. And that's really rallied along quite well. And, uh, but I always ask the question, you know, what, where would it be if we, uh, if we took the tech stock out? Because there's, there's a big, big difference. And this seems to be the theme of COVID, uh, of the haves and have-nots. You know, we look at Tesla, boom, you know, 500%. Mm-hmm. Uh, we look at uh, Wells Fargo, you know, significantly down, one of the major banks over there. So did a little bit of research uh, and found uh, from these guys that this, this is actually the S&P X, the infotech sector. So not necessarily the full, uh, the full box and dice as far as, it, as tech goes, but, um, but a good portion of it. As you can see, it's literally just gone into positive territory, like literally just gone into positive territory now. Um, so this is a really, really interesting sign, a really, really interesting sign. We said it uh, for a while. G'day, Paul. Good to see you, mate. Country Victoria, cracking place. Uh, one of the best states in Australia, I'd say. Uh, and um, <laughs> I've totally lost track of what I'm saying. Makes me sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh, so it's... That markets like that certainty. Biden now starting to get a little bit more of a grip. Trump behaving himself. Just Trump's really spending his time giving people presidential pardons. We're wondering when he is going to pardon himself. Uh, pardon the pun. So markets are really enjoying this. Uh, and I heard a really interesting perspective of, of one of the best stocking investors, and I'll, I'll go to another chart in a tick, but one of the top investors in the world uh, and this was a bit of a different view on things from the Hunter Valley. Deb, from the Hunter hey, Valley, we're, we're drinking <laughs> wine from that very, very same place. I hear that. Uh, my social media right. So, um, so Mark, he, his comment was that markets actually uh, really, really enjoy when governments can't do anything. And I, I, I pondered that for a tick and I thought that's a really interesting take because usually people say, you know, markets don't like the, the, the um, uncertainty and, but markets usually like people being able to make decisions. And so we were constantly talking about a Biden or a Trump presidency and which, which would be better for markets. And it basically said markets actually love it when politicians can't toy around with it. And it reminded me of the great Kerry Packer quote in that, you know, uh, when he said, you know, stop toying with the legislation, people won't work with Australians. Uh, and it reminded me of that, and I thought that's a really, really interesting insight and one that uh, I hadn't heard bandied around a lot, but it makes a lot of sense. And it makes even more sense if you have a look at this, which is the, uh, this is the Australian market now. And you can see just more recently it has actually been you know, quite buoyant. Like it's really taken on a bit of a kick since the, since the election. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, we were at very, very high highs previously at the 4,000. Uh, God's own New Zealand. It certainly mm-hmm. is God's own. Um, love the New Zealand, love the Kiwis. Uh, and so we've actually bounded along really, really well. As a matter of fact, just before we got into uh, COVID, uh, Malcolm Palmer, who will come on the show at some point in time, 
uh, and I used to talk that we believe that the fair range was somewhere between 6,000 and 6,800. So it's very much back into that range previous. But here's, uh, here's an interesting thing. That's not the slide I wanted to talk to, is this one. Now, I'll just zoom in a little bit. going to say, Andy, yeah, zoom in. We can't see it. Or I've got to put my glasses on one of the two. Mm. So, well, effectively blue. So on the right axis over this side, right, we've got the world, we've got North America, we've got Europe, we've got Japan, Korea, Taiwan, and we've got emerging markets, right? So I'll get rid of that now. And so hot means it's overpriced. And blue means that it's very, very significantly undervalued. The darker the blue, the, the more undervalued. So we can see here that, you know, financial still globally, right across the board, reasonably underpriced. Um, infrastructure that Jay and I have been talking about quite a lot. Yeah. Outside of uh, North America, infrastructure still very, very under underpriced. Communications. Now, communications might be underpriced for a, a good reason. And then this is my big one over here, which I think is a bit of a sleeping giant, is the energy sector, right? So the Woodside Petroleums in Australia, the, the AGLs. Now, these stocks have been under, underpriced for quite some, times, uh, quite some time. And then our materials sector. So here in Australia, when we think about that, um, this financials are making up about 25% of our market, the fact that we're up and those markets are still down along with our energy and materials it means that other markets have really spurred on and taken place uh, of some of those other, you know, previous market-leading stocks in Australia, which is actually a really, really good sign for, for the economy because other areas are starting to get some serious traction. And it was about time the financials kind of had a little bit of a bad, bad time, if that makes sense. So I thought this is really, really interesting to, to understand that what used to be some of the top stocks of yesterday and now the dog stocks today, mm. but mark my word, these stocks will rise. So it's really, really interesting when we come back and we go, okay, well, this is where we sit uh, in Australia at the moment. There is significant potential upside. I'm not saying that it's going to happen right now, but there's Sleeping Giant, which is, uh, which, which is the stocks of yesterday. Um, so, mate, that's a little bit of my round grounds. I thought I'd show this just, just because it's not often other than in the Olympics that uh, Australia really get picked out as the uh, as the, you know, the one of the, the top countries in the world, and uh, this is uh, this is a COVID effect heat map, if you will. And uh, so I just got this from Bloomberg this morning, and it was on their uh, it was on uh, it, I, I watched it far too long. So I, was, I was a little bit late for work, but so I'll, I'll pose this question maybe to you and American. Are the top five least impacted by COVID countries. At least impacted by COVID, there's a couple of measures that go into this. It takes into consideration economic impact, takes into consideration how long we've been or whether there was hard lockdowns, what the need for lockdowns were, what the trajectory out of the virus period is. If you had a uh, top five, Wendy, off the top of your head, what would those top five be? Uh, top five? Well, I'd have to say Australia, New Zealand, um, gosh, after that, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, what? I, don't, I don't know. South Africa? I haven't heard much from over there, but then I get lost. I'm not sure. I've well, heard a lot about Europe. You've got one. You've got one. What about you, Jake? What do you reckon? I, I reckon, I reckon um, 
I reckon New Zealand as well. I reckon like they, yeah. those guys have been quite isolated, which is good. But I reckon somewhere like Switzerland or um, Sweden or something like that, um, a couple of those European countries. But, uh, yeah, it's a good question. I, I, what do you reckon, everyone? Like it in the, the chat box. What, uh, what is your who are the top least two? Affected? Yeah. Who are the least affected by COVID actually had COVID, all right, and they need to be developed world countries, right? So have a have a ponder of that for a couple of moments and um, we'll see Can what I comes through. Can I look at my really quickly? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hang on, I'll jump on Google. I'll jump on Google. <laughs> So I'll, I'll give you the top five uh, and I'll see if I can remember them in order. Uh, number one least affected was Finland. Uh, Finland uh, had very little impact in, in general around, uh, very little economic impact, very little street impact as they call it. So the streets were still safe. People were still mobilising around. They may have a lockdown, but economically they've survived extraordinarily well. Um, Korea was number two. And uh, so Korea was was hit pretty heavy by way of numbers initially, but they were already prepared. Yeah, 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 South Korea. I think North Korea might be a little bit, yeah, we don't talk about them. Nice one, David Lee, South Korea, good one. And they they were prepared. They've been through this before. They they acted very, very, very quickly. Um, The others that were in there was Japan, which was another surprise. And this goes against those people who say that, Big cities are no more, and there are a lot of people that are saying this. And, and like we've said previously, you can't balk two thousand years worth of evolution of, of, of people uh, coming together. But but um, also but feel- also too, Andy, you can't you can't just pick up infrastructure that's been built built for the last however many hundreds of years and move it somewhere else. Like you know, hospitals, train lines, universities, schools, cities. Mm-hmm. Like you don't just pick the infrastructure up and leave. And I said this the other day in real estate game. Yes, some of the country towns are getting a little bit of a moment in the sunshine. Now, listen, I grew up in a small town, a country town. I couldn't wait to leave. You wait. You give yourself six months or 12 months at a country town, city people, you'll be leaving. I'm telling you right now. I don't know. We're loving it here in the Hunter Valley. We're loving it. But I don't think we're a small country town. We're pretty. No. No, I reckon, I reckon the Hunter Valley is, is a good location. I used to uh, talk about real estate investing. I used to call it soy economics 10, 12 years ago, where if you go to a country town and you can get a good soy, um, uh, a soy cappuccino, uh, well, yeah. then, and the prices are still good, then <laughs> get in because. <laughs> Invest now. Yeah. Well, listen, I tell you, I, look, we do a little bit of property as well. And I can tell you the returns in Cessnock are better than the returns I get in Sydney. Yes. Yeah, the I'm yields are great up that way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, I do know that there's, um, you know, not a lot of supply either. And, and, you know, a lot of people want to rent and and, uh, and move there. And there's a lot of jobs in that sort of corridor up that way as well. So it's it's certainly... It's certainly getting yeah. a, um, a, a forty minutes to the beach. You know, it's, it's got everything. Totally it's got everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the, yeah the Hunter Valley, it's got everything. So <laughs> it leads into uh, a bit of a question because one of our uh, one of our themes, uh, Wendy, uh, of recent has been because markets have been quite turbulent, interest rates have been really low. So I've. I'm a bit of investing behind the scenes. 
And I'll throw it to, to, to the two of you. If we're talking about yield, and there's a great play on words here, and we're talking about real assets, and this I'm seriously thinking about getting the person onto one and with them to, to brief us <laughs> on this. What do you think one of the most successful asset classes through COVID has been? They're talking like COVID. My question is yield. It, this is where, this is where the plan words yield. Andy, is is it actually an income stream or is it or is it <laughs> how is the yield measured here? I think there's a trick question in this one. <laughs> Quality, and so let me show you a stock. That, uh, and we're not necessarily talking about this period of time right now. I don't have the date, day right now. Although I know it is as good as it has ever been, uh, but it's certainly on uh, Wendy's line. I'm going to use it as a segue to, to introduce you, Wendy, into the into the show. So it should give everybody a little bit of context. But uh, yeah. one of the best performing asset classes in the world throughout COVID has actually been 300, uh, 200%, so 30 to 36% per annum yield. Zoom in, man. Uh, Zoom on, in. Zoom in, bro. On one of my favourites, which is Lafitte, which <laughs> is uh, this, this one is the, is the second growth of one of the major uh, wines in the uh, Bordeaux. And we can see here uh, a vintage mountain. Um, it's a thing. Entrepreneur buying is when people buy wines before they're released, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you sort of know what the season's like, so you invest in the wine. And as we can see here, we've got the green, which was a 2014 vintage, which is released in 2015, sometimes 2016. And then we've got the 15 and 16. So the five-year yield from the 16 actually right now, right? So or 2019 it was. So we can see here that uh, we're – so – Less 2016 vintage, if you don't mind, 58% up in two years. Uh, we've got 2015 vintage, which was 119% uh, up over three years, and a whopping 204% increase on uh, on uh, on feet uh, red wine, ladies and gentlemen. So this is around about 3,000 quid. 3,000 pounds per case when you buy it before it was made. Yeah. And uh, so thank you to the guys from Cult Wine uh, who I've been researching. Quite yeah, right. And well, so here's the thing is that markets love scarcity. And Jason, I was just thinking about mm -hmm. this the other day. Jason, somebody who has a $200,000 collection of Pokemon cards. Yeah. Uh, is just insane. But it's scarcity, right? So with wine, it's always a scarce product. Every year is unique. Every year yeah. has a limited supply, right? Mm -hmm. And then when people really, really like that, that yield, because sometimes the great years don't yield that much fruit as well. So you can have That's a right. great year but not much wine. So in thinking about how we'd uh, it, it would introduce you, Wendy, from a business perspective and from a finance perspective, I, I've been studying wine indexes for, for quite quite a few years, but uh, probably ever since I started drinking them. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, that's been a couple of years. So when I, when I think about wineries, when I think about owning one, when I think about uh, you know putting heart and soul and passion into it, I think, well, my business has about, a 90-day cash flow conversion cycles. So from point of time when we start spending money on things, about 90 days or give or take, that's roughly when the cash flow start 
to, to come in. And for me, for us, sometimes that's quite a long period of time. But then I look at your industry and I go, holy smoke, you guys will sometimes have a, a conversion cycle of one to two years, especially if you're going to barrel it. And you're even more, there. yeah, even more. Yeah. Yeah, well, and some of your okay. ones, right, which you sent through, <laughs> we are incredible. Yeah. And we'll, put, we'll put them in uh, jail for 22, 24 months, up to 24 months, which is quite a long time. Then we'll sit it. We may not release for another 12 months, depending on um, what's happening. So, yeah, that's, yeah, from time, so you're really trying to have to predict what's going to happen in three years' time. And we're really going through that a lot at the moment. In this year, we went into the financial year 50% down on intake with smoke, tank and buyers and everything, so 50% down, um, and yet we've increased a huge influx in people appreciating the value of um, really fine wines. So people aren't interested in our coffers anymore. They want the premium quality handcrafted wines. Um, so huge intake, huge increase in um, appreciation and um, sales in those areas, which has just been amazing. But, yeah, now we're in the position of really trying to um, predict, how, you know, how much can we take in? Yeah. How much, you know, what can we get access to? Because we are multi-regional, so we buy from different regions. Um, but it depends on, there's only so much you can do because it will depend on the vintage, um, which, you know, the year. Yeah, there's so many variables. So like last year, who would know that we're going to end up being 50% down in production? You, you can't predict those type of things. Um, yet I mean, we've been okay because we've, we've had back vintages to carry us through, but we're selling out. And people like you, Andy, are saying, I don't want the 2018. Give me your, give me your 2009. Give me your 2013. Mm. Um, so we've had a huge, huge increase in that. And yeah, so that's sitting on wines in our cellar for 10 years. Yeah. How do you, how do you, choose, how do you choose that, Wendy? You know, like, you know, from from your point of view as a business and also, too, you say, well, let's get some out the door to get cash flow, but we'll keep some in the cellar because, you know, there's value. So how do you, how do you guys go about choosing it? I think that's fascinating. Well, if it's a good vintage, number one, yeah, okay, if you, if you know it's a good vintage, like, like our 2018 vintage, um, our Alessandro release, with all single vineyard wines. So superb, superb vintage um so they were single vineyard so those ones we we know we're going to put away so we just throw away go in for going these are premium you can taste it in the beginning buy tannins they're going to last you know you're going to get 20 years at these yeah so we'll put away uh typically we've put away a couple of pallets but we've been a small boutique winery but we need to we've gone into COVID and um again like i said but people have really started to appreciate um Local, they've appreciated handcrafting. They've they're appreciating boutique wineries over large, multi, you know, huge commercial based ones. So we've had um, in the last six months, we've had a huge increase in memberships as well. So we're really going into next year, going um, okay, you know, a normal intake is this much. You know, are we going to invest in this much, which means new barrels, new? It's it's a big investment and space, and do we need to expand? And there's there's a whole lot of considerations, but it's really exciting times because it feels really good to be valued 
what we're doing as a small boutique winery. That yeah. Really appreciating the the heart and soul that the team put into it, that, you know, coming out, sourcing grapes, looking at it, building relationships with farmers over years. So it's exciting times ahead, really. Like it's, I feel like as a community, um, there's a lot more community-based thinking, the whole of Australia, do you know what I mean? Which is such a positive sign. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because I think it's very sustainable for businesses to have that. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's, a, it's an exciting time. But, yeah, it's a little bit of like any business, um, Jason, and it's a bit of um, risk-taking and backing nice. yourself and going, let's just do it and having the confidence all she goes, you can still kind of, you can sell it because it's good stuff. Yeah, calculating you know, that. I, I don't know how this actually happens, Jay. So I think just solve Boodle as I was just thinking and listening to you because, you know, oak barrels, expensive. You know, the infrastructure is expensive. Yeah, expensive. Uh, like seriously expensive. So I reckon, yeah. you know, because you guys might be a little bit crazy because, you know, two to three years to be able to get your return on investment, a small business, that's daunting. Big business, no worries, right? You I'll invest, you got the money. <laughs> what happens? Yeah. Isn't it? You get around and you go, you know what? Oh, I'm not sure that we can do this. I'm not sure. Geez, that's a lot of money to outlay. And you know, how we get through it? You know what, Ooh, Andy? A few more um, of them. Oh, it'll just happen. It'll just happen. We don't, don't worry about it. It'll just materialise. Look, you know what? It, you know what it's like. It's um, with our partnership. So it, it's me and my husband, and then we've got brother-in-law, my brother-in-law involved as well. Um, but it's it, it's a real mixture of three different people thinking three different ways. Because I'm probably the more conservative person um, and the more considered risk taker, whereas uh, my husband's probably a dynamo salesman and he's a huge risk taker and then we have the account that is always trying to look at very black and white you know yeah. so combined, <laughs> combined it kind of works do you know yeah. what I mean because um, we have the high risk taker in Frank but then we have me and we, we kind of just fly in the middle and um, look it's worked for us so far we've been you know 25 years in business and had us so it's you know the combination works. I think it is that combination of different people's thinking and perspective and being mm-hmm. respectful of everyone's and then bringing all that information and then going in and going forward. Having a good team so, around yeah. you by the sounds of things, Wendy, you know, and, and uh, a, a good mixture of characters in your business as well, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. The, the smarts to kind of allow those different characters to have their, uh, their say is, is usually... Usually important too. Yeah, it's such so a it's just recognizing strengths in everyone and what you're good at, and then and going with it. and trust. At the end of the day, trust is a huge thing, isn't it? Totally. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. Well, and, yeah. And is it so? So your husband and yourself and your brother-in-law is that 25 years for for you guys um, all together, or right. is that yeah? Yeah. We well, me and my husband started our first business. Um, and then probably about a few years into it, our brother-in-law invested into it because we needed cash flow and we had nothing and we didn't own anything and we needed something because the banks just laughed at us. So um, he very kindly 
um, well, not kindly, very smartly, smartly <laughs> invested in, uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, confidence in us. So, yeah. Um, and that's how, you know, we continued on. So, yeah, it worked out well. So, yeah. I and then that. ever since then, it's just been the three of us yeah. powering along. And uh, I was looking at a stat the other day, you know, um, less than, 10% of 1% of businesses in the world get past 15 years. So congratulations. Um, that's mm-hmm. uh, that's an amazing feat. And certainly a small business, you know, you don't have as big a coffers as the as the big the big boys and girls in town often. And um, but but what you do have in a small to medium business is is often a little bit more passion and grit than 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 others, yeah. you know. Yeah. 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 Agility, quick to move, you know, there is there is advantages to it. But um yeah, we've done we've done all right done. after we have we have been broke a few times before that, but <laughs> but yeah, third time lucky we kept going and got Well, I mean that's the entrepreneurial uh, spirit really at the end of the day and you know, um um, you know, I don't think I've read I don't think I've read any of these books without uh, you know, the entrepreneur in them having um a moment in time or multiple moments in time where uh, the chips were down and they make a comeback and if you're passionate about what yeah. you do then you know that's great you know one of the interesting things which you said you know your brother-in-law invested with you privately that's one of the things i see in the market right now andy and i were chatting about this you know money cash is trash right now cash is worthless completely worthless and there is i don't know how much money in circulation andy you could probably look that up and you'd know it but you know Trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars around the world now have said, well, if I leave it in the bank, uh, Andy was even saying four or five countries now make you pay money to put money in the bank. How ludicrous is that? Yeah. Right. Um, and so money's looking for a home uh, and, um, yeah. you know, good opportunities. You know, even in my head, like I'm, I'm a serial entrepreneur investor. I'm thinking, all right, Wendy, let's uh, let's let's put a club together. Let's. Let's syndicate a uh, five million dollars worth of wine buying. Let's go for it, mate. Let's double, triple down right now. Let's go. You know, like it's because it. yeah, because if you're going to get 200 percent return on that, like like where can you do that sort of thing? And I, I love those ideas, and I know that I wouldn't be the only person um, with that con- concept when it comes to money and, and opportunity. And that's the part I love about being an entrepreneur is like when there's an opportunity, you can kind of especially with someone like yourself if you've got experience and you've got a story and 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 whatever you can weave that together and you know money loves a good story um and yeah. uh, and uh ultimately you got to deliver uh-huh. yeah yeah it does and you know like yeah. a tesla and amazon and those i mean those uh companies lost money for a decade but but the story that that people fell in love with you know um um made those companies you know, absolutely mad crazy, which is kind of cool. So I love that. So how many in yeah. your team now? How many in your your business? And, and sort of give us a bit of an oversight of that. Okay, so Capital Lighting and Living Business has got probably about 28 employees. Nice. And then a winery, which is really my little baby. Um, we've got 10 and then a couple of, yeah, roughly 10 teams. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, yep. A winemaker, assistant winemaker, a cellar door manager, uh, you know, marketing and, yeah, it's a really tight, small-knit community here. Um, 
we all work, yeah, it, it really works on um, the passion and it's, it's, it's a completely different industry, the wine industry, to our other business. Yeah. Um, because it's, once it's still relationship building, um, it's a different relationship. People are loving, want to so much connect with um, me and Frank, but in the wine industry, it's really about connection and that's what we love. I, I feel like we've found our friends and family here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, it's really, really nice. So um, that's what we love about it. So, yeah, we're, we're very happy. We have, yeah, it was such a great decision to do that. Like even though we, we often describe it like buying a boat, you know, where you, <laughs> buy a boat, <laughs> you have no idea what's ahead of you, you know, the maintenance and the, so we kind of describe it like that. But, like um, that, that. But, yeah. Is is it like the is it like the boat joke? It's like how do you end up with a boat worth a million dollars? You buy one for two. Yeah, <laughs> That's no, no, we've done all right. We've done all right. But any, any Andy, you know, most we somebody here the other day. One of our members who's an accountant, and she said to me, "You know, but, but how does it go?" Like. You know, I'd never recommend somebody does a winery, but it's you know what, it's so much more than um, than it, it's good. Like it's passionate, it's fun, it's friendly. It's you you know you've got a farm out there, it grows. It's you're dealing with I don't know natural. It's just a real a real life piece of you know wine. It's a real it's alive. So you, anyway, you, you create it from from nature, and, and you know, I, yeah, yeah. yeah, I I come from a building background, and and I actually miss not building things for a living, um, and now I build them in my shed. So I like I build furniture and stuff like that. But creating something from nothing and then people enjoying it, like it, there's nothing. Yeah. Like, it's so amazing. I, I completely understand yeah. where you're coming from. Yeah. And we're putting it for here at the moment, like we just all, we're just trying to build experiences the whole time and we're creating an environment that picnic areas and um, we really kind of say, yeah, this our home is your home. Um, if I could say it in Italian, I would, but I can't, but my husband can. But um, that's sort of our theme, like our home is your home. So we're really Picasso, trying to Picasso, that. Is, is that it? <laughs> yeah, Andy. <laughs> Spaniel. So, Spaniel. Yeah. That's what, you know, so, and um, I think it's paying off. I think, you know, um, we brought the company and a bit of love and nurture. And I always think of Irwin and the plants, you know what I mean, where the plant that you nurture and the plant that you don't, and one dies and another one thrives. So yeah, um, we, go out there, we go out there and talk to those vines every opportunity mm. and they're doing well. But the team in general, like it's, yeah, we're doing okay. So we're happy. That's great. I love it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so through COVID for you guys, um, did you have to sort of do any sort of real pivoting? Like you were talking about, you know, the sort of the back catalogue started to become more valuable and stuff like that. What was, because yeah. um, we do have a few business owners sort of dialing in. So what, what was any any tips or uh, feedback for, for you guys? Well, we had to pivot really quickly. We had to shut the, because we had the same thing, we had to shut the cellar door. Mm. Um, and we went into it with, um, yeah, you know, I really believe the fact that we had our planned days and we had cemented our purpose and our purpose was to connect and to create memorable experiences, um, connection over isolation. So how do we 
touch our community more often and create a connection. Um, it enabled us just to have an idea of like, this is what we have to do. Yeah. So, I mean, straight away we went into lives on Friday as well. In um, March, uh, we did virtual dinner parties. Uh, we've done, you know, so many different things. Our virtual dinner party, we have 300 people live. Like on Zoom or something? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. awesome. So it was, it was um, yeah, we, and everyone was into it. So, um, and, yeah, so, we, yeah, we, we just had to, we, we went to it, we understand what our purpose was, so, you know, connect, communicate, um, and we just actively thought about how can we do that through this time. Um, and, yeah, we just used our social media, we used any platform that we could come across, and we tried to do that. Um, and it paid off. And then, yeah, and then we had to create, because we couldn't move it, we couldn't have anybody facing inside because we didn't have enough space. Um, we straight away went into creating outdoor um, tasting and we thought, again, experiences, like we want to create an experience, a memorable experience. So um, that was one of the things, that, you know, what we just got to back ourselves and we um, got musicians in, we got a food van in. So we tried to think about, well, we say we want to create an experience what does an experience feel like what does it mean to us yeah um, we thought well the, the experience is yeah so you know, so we had live music friday saturday sundays with a food van um we started doing we just started like our creative juices just went wild we started doing tasting menus different options like we do a chardonnay flight um old school new school um right across the thing so we just every week tried to create something to encourage people to come basically because as soon as we opened up all right um like but i'm in the whole hunter really um it's just boomed like we've just had so many visitors yeah um and yeah so and then we but yeah so yeah it's good but then we had to find new staff and <laughs> that was hard that was really hard but um we finally found really some great people and um we're settling in we've got ziggy Siggy Fletcher is working with us. Oh, really? Oh. oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's an awesome, she's an awesome find. Um, she just contacted us through the county group and said, I'm looking for work. And I said, oh, my God, we're looking for people. Come on in. Um, and she's, yeah, she's a dynamo, of course, because she's, yeah, you can imagine, she's fantastic. Um, and we've got, a, yeah, a new cell door manager but, yeah, it was stressful. We had lots of tension in our team as well. I don't know how you guys went, but... Over COVID, sort of the, the worry about their, you know, their, their safety. Yeah, 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 totally. Huge. When we started having crowds come in, it was... Um, they just wanted to shut the doors again because we had, we you know, we had eight weeks of the gate closed and we were still operating behind the scenes. We didn't have to see anyone. The doors were shut. We felt... When did you... Going, going into that because you you, you sort of you, you touched on, but I, I'd love to actually go a little bit deeper into going into that zone because what you've done and your your theme of connection or your values of connection and uh, creating a memorable experience uh, for those people who aren't small business owners out out there, I think that this is incredibly important to listen to and to listen to what you're about to tell us. But for those who are, will either really get this. Uh, but everybody should understand like it's it's people like you it's people like jace that 
throughout these periods of time step things up notch, whether it's creative, whether mm. it's time in the business, whether it's strategy um, and innovation because literally COVID came, we didn't know how long it was there for. You didn't know it was going to be four weeks. It could have been 50 for all you knew. So, uh, you know, I, I, I just want to commend you, you know, 300 people on a, on a, on a dinner at Zoom and I'm assuming that you would never have Zoomed anybody in your life from that perspective in the business. Um, and to be able to create yeah, that community we online. Actually used, um, we actually used Facebook Live. We didn't actually use Zoom, but it's the same thing. It was just, you know, we just oh, had great. so much positive feedback and people joining in and, yeah, it was, yeah, really <laughs> incredible. And a local chef came and cooked the food and so he was promoting going live and, yeah, it was fantastic. But, yeah, and we, so take, was, take, take us through that thought, Pat. Take, take us through that thought, Pat. It, it, it landed, bang. There was this thing called COVID. It was around. It, you probably weren't worried about it. You might have been a little bit. We went to a session that a lot, you know, brought everyone's t- attention to it very early in the piece. But then when it happened, t- take us through just that that moment and then the next two weeks through that. I think it took us a whole five minutes to go, shit, let's turn, and we turned left. So if there was an area to go, well, there's no thinking about this anymore because we've been talking about things forever, but just how many roadblocks? Like I don't even know what the roadblocks were. Um, and then it was just like we're doing it and we just had to go, like, just turn left, there's key, let's go towards it and we just have to do it. Um, and I think um, we just had this, you know, I, I, and again I sort of talk about me and my husband, like, but we he, there's that sort of sense of fearlessness, like let's just not even think about COVID. We just know what we have to do. Let's just pretend it doesn't exist and how do we operate? Like, So it's not being naive and pretending it doesn't exist, but in a way, in another way, it's just like we have to keep moving forward. Let's just pretend it doesn't exist. How are we going to create sales in this new world? Um, and what are we going to do and how are we going to keep everyone employed? Uh, and for us that was really meaningful because in both our businesses, these people have been with us, um, you know, they trust us. Do you know what I mean? They trust us. To, yeah. You know, and so for us it's really, really meaningful. And um, so we don't take that lightly and we just we have to move. We have to go this way. We've got to do this. Let's do that. Um, and we just we just did everything we could really quickly. And um, But, yeah, as quickly as we could and just keep going forward. But there was a lot, yeah, a lot of talking with the team, lots of, um, lots of ups and downs, as, you know, as business owners, sometimes we move so quickly, um, the people our team can get a bit like, oh, Yeah, you can leave them behind or they get scared, right? Yeah. They go, yeah <laughs> like, we're going left. We're we've going, got this. A minute. We're still sitting in right. But, you know, thank goodness. Yeah, really, it was, a, yeah. So that's a good lesson to us as well to um, pause sometimes and, let everyone catch up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, great lesson. Yeah, it, it, yeah. So, it's a little pause. So when you pause too much, because you have to keep pushing. You got to keep moving. Them. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> so, what yeah. was the, what was the the top fear, or maybe the top two fears that you weren't doing things before because there was a fear there, whatever it was. But then when COVID came, you just went, no, nah, we just got to do it. What was the fear? I don't know. I think just getting in front of the camera, seriously myself 
it was just sitting in front of the camera. And then I just went, um, oh, well, I have to do it. I have to talk to my members. I have to tell them what's happening. And um, I just sat at home and I got my son to, I said, you just hold the camera and I'm going <laughs> to talk. And we just did it. And, um, and that's just where it started. And as a business owner, the biggest lesson for me was that um, I had to lead the way. I couldn't expect other people to be doing you know, I was, and that's what I think I was doing before. I was kind of saying to people, oh, the winemaker, the um, syndrome, come on, they want to hear from you. They want to hear from you. In the end, they want to hear from me. You know what I mean? And so that was a really big lesson. And they do, they do like it from them because yeah, they talk, yeah. they talk it's fantastic. But, um, yeah, I just had to step into that. And then my team, again, built that trust because I did it, so they did it. Um, and we did it together. Come on, we'll do it together. And we're all a bit, yeah, scared, but we just did it. <laughs> it's kind of cute. It's kind of cute, like on this, because you can forget that anyone's listening, don't you think? Oh, I hope my light, my light just went out on me. Sorry. No, I'm not too dark. No, you, you're looking, you're looking good. Around. Good, good lighting there. No, it, you're dead right, Wendy, because you know, often, you know, there's these things. You know, uh, Andy and I have said it a few times. It's a Winston Churchill quote. You know, you never waste a good crisis, you know, and um, it's yeah. a good crisis. It gives you an excuse to do the things that you've been making excuses for, you know. Oh, I can't get on yeah. camera. I can't do this. I can't do that. You just do it and you're like, what was I What was I carrying on about? You know, like it's just, you know, and then everyone loves it. Yeah. 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 It's one of those age old things, isn't it? That uh, that that everybody everybody wants to talk with the technician. They they want to know yeah. the owner, and when I mean know the owner, I don't mean from the perspective of you know knowing being part of the in crowd. But they they want to know the person that created it, you know, and not just the technician yeah. that 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 feels a part of it. They people want to know yeah. the story, and uh, look, our That's journey true. is very 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 similar as well. It's and it's I don't. There, are, we've Jason and I work with so many from business owners, uh, and obviously we know it through our community as well. And again, I, I want to just say what you've done is awesome, is because I know how much courage it takes to all of a sudden just switch the live button on uh, yeah. and just start yabbering away and just making mistakes in front of anybody and everyone who will listen, and and then you know thousands of people, and it's very very exposing. Uh, and when you're doing that, you're doing that in a period of time where you're going, well, where's trying? It's not like you're going live talking about yeah. something that you do day in, day out that you've done every single day and you just keep doing it and you know it backwards. You're literally going out there. You're going live going, I fucking hope this works. <laughs> We've never done this before, but we're just going to try it. And, and it's the most vulnerable you can be. And you, there's that choice of whether you take that option and take the blue pill or the red pill and it's like we put the foot yeah. down or yeah. we stall and we take the foot off. And I reckon that there was 50-50 yeah. in, in Australian businesses, 50 that took the foot off and stalled and 50 that, uh, and I, maybe it's not even 50%, but uh, then was that thing that lit the team up, watching you kind of just go out there and go, holy shit, like look at Wendy. Like yeah. she's a, like somebody pulled out a camera, she hides behind a tree, now she's doing a live. You know what um, I think lit the team up is when um, some of the big, like we had um, Brian McGuigan, which is like, I don't know if you know Brian McGuigan, but like 
he was a well international winemaker, world winemaker. He's he's like the god of um, the Hunter Valley. Like he's just been so he's such community worker and so instrumental in um, the wine industry. And you know, he came and talked at one of our lives, spent two hours with our members talking oh, about the good. history and the evolution of Hunter Valley. Um, so before we and we started working with the community because, again, we wanted to talk connections and really participated um, in going to community meetings, trying to be a part of the community a lot more. But I think for the team when, um, you know, even our white door master, you know, Talek Wines said to him, he was there looking for a job and he said, why don't you go talk to Settlers Creek Wines? They're really doing some great stuff down there. Uh, and... When, you know, in the tra- when they're walking around, they're saying, oh, you guys are doing great. Or, you know, we'll be walking around. Oh, my battery's going. My battery's going to run out. I hope I don't disappear on you. Um, <laughs> if I do, bye. But, um, <laughs> you know, but, you know I, I think for them, when they started seeing that we were being recognised a little bit and being acknowledged that uh, we were a great little winery and, People are coming to my cellar door because, um, uh, you, you know, people said go down to Saddlers because, you know, so for them being recognised for their peers has been really meaningful. Yeah. Um, and we've worked hard to do that and we've had. Oh, what? Andy. Oh, dear. <laughs> Look at that. You're right in the crosshairs, mate. Look at that. Mate, <laughs> somebody got well. their ball on you, brother. Well, uh, there you go. There's the idea of having um, having a uh, a little bit of technology conversations uh, go astray, but uh, it's it's great to chat with Wendy, and she's uh, she's dropped out right now, folks. But um, um, we thought it'd be great to bring Wendy on. Not only has she sponsored Wine of Wisdom, some uh, some amazing wines. Um, yeah, I'm, but she's I'm also the, uh, an amazing shardy at the yeah. moment, mate. And uh, for those shardy drinkers out there, I I lost the taste of Chardonnay uh, after they turned to Chardonnay and they overoaked it for many years. But now there's these beautiful varieties coming back. For those of you who love your um, your Burgundy style, this this is this is not quite like a normal big buttery Australian one. It's it's kind of almost got that little bit of finesse of a Saturn or a, a good Chablis, a little bit a little bit. A little bit bolder than it, but it's a cracker. It's uh, Saddlers Creek, um, uh, Hunter Valley Chardonnay 2018. So I think it's from the good vintage that uh, that she was talking about. And uh, mate, well, I've had the uh, the luxury as of you, but I've been drinking mine out of glass cups, uh, or not glass <laughs> cups, rather wine glasses, glass ones, not uh, plastic ones. <laughs> and mate, I and I said it to Wendy as well. I said, Wendy's Wendy's really dialing wise. back in, Andy. Let me let me see what I can do here. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy's back. How do we go, Wendy? Let's let's hello. <laughs> I'll see if we can, we can put it back now, in here. <laughs> All right. I think we've uh, we've had some technical difficulties, but there we go. Sorry, um, <laughs> I didn't mention the um, guru was off sick, didn't I? <laughs> you know, the one that tells me to plug in my laptop. But anyway, sorry about that, guys. Nah, all good, but, Wendy. Um, we were we were we were uh, we were we were attempting to give your wines uh, a decent plug, and we've 
actually really enjoyed them the last few weeks. So we do really, really appreciate you sending them through. We've had a great time um, um, having a few drinks. I, I was chatting with, um, well, I was saying a few people the other day. Actually, the the day your wines arrived was one of was three weeks ago, four weeks ago, Wine and Wisdom. And uh, I, I missed lunch. I didn't eat lunch on Friday. And... Um, <laughs> Disaster. So I, yeah, <laughs> I quickly drank a glass of wine and and slurred my way through an hour of wine and wisdom. It was absolutely <laughs> terrible, but but the wine was excellent. It was it was so good. I drank it fast. So you know, good on you. You need to get some practicing, obviously, Jason. Yeah, no, I'm a bit of a teetotaler, Wendy. I'm a bit of a teetotaler. I do like. I do like a nice glass of wine, um, but uh, it's not um, it's not uh, something that uh, I can handle a lot of. But uh, I really have enjoyed the wines that you've sent through, so I really appreciate it. But um, I'm glad. Yeah, now uh, we're glad that you could pop back in because um, the timing's been pretty good, actually. We're sort of we're uh, almost coming to an end to today, but really oh, appreciate no. you coming on and. Um, Fantastic to hear that, you know, your passion and planning and your team have really, you know, been the wind beneath the wings of uh, where you guys are now and where you want to go. It's uh, it's exciting as business owners to sort of, you know, have a moment in time where you see your whole team rally and and then you step into a new level of of leadership as well, which is which is amazing. So um, I'm quite sure that's going to uh, catapult you guys into something extraordinary in the next. 5, 10, 15, 20 years with your BHAG. So, mate, uh, really appreciate you coming on today and uh, appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, one last thing to do, Andy, is uh, is play the, uh, play the, the, yeah, well, cheers. Cheers. There it is. Cheers. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) And uh, we'll do the do. All right. You've got a Chardonnay laugh, Andy. Love it. I'll have one next time. (laughs) Thank you, Wendy. What are you drinking for Chardonnay out of? We'll have to get Jason glasses. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've got plastic glasses. I just don't like like the thought of (laughs) breaking a glass. (laughs) I like that they bounce. (laughs) <laughs> anyway <laughs> awesome <laughs> yeah you see if you can uh see if you can fix that all right gang well thank you andy thank you wendy fantastic have a great weekend everybody have a weekend and, uh, yep. adios. Bye.